here for a reason. This news just in. We are your news now. Right on radio. For continuous coverage, the latest information, separate fact from opinion. Get the truth. Get the news. You're listening to Right On Radio. You are here for a reason. Choose to be 
ready to do your will. Ready to do your will. Welcome to Right On Radio. My name is Jeff. I hope you uh, loved that song. I think the lyrics in that song really exemplify the message that is carried out in this Sermon on the Mount of Matthew chapter 5. Um, welcome, everyone. Thank you for being here, Misty, as always, and everyone else, uh, Wendy, Michelle. Thank you for being here. Um, before I pray, I just want to address last week's Bible study when I did the B attitudes. I, when I finished the Bible study, I was not happy with what the study, what came out in the study. And I'll explain to you very quickly. Um, look, I'm not perfect, folks. Uh, <laughs> you know that for sure. Um, I had studied hard on the Beatitudes. I literally hours and hours of study on it. And uh, I used a different version of the Bible. Because I want consistency, I pulled up the NASB, and the words were different. And I didn't look at the NASB prior to going live. And all of a sudden, I was thrown off. And, you know, I said the right things. I prayed the Holy Spirit speak through me. And I think the Holy Spirit did speak through me. But I also think I relied on my own intellect. and I didn't do as good of a job as I would have liked to. Now, I'm not going to be redoing that study because when I set out to do the book of Matthew, I'd put forth the two goals to cover the master principles and all the major underlying precepts. And I felt I did carry the precepts forward and certainly the master principle of it. So, um, but I really do encourage you to spend time in the Beatitudes because it is so foundational and you know, the, the book of Matthew is not in chronological order as Jesus's ministry went. Uh, it's in a very logical order. 
But when you look at the Sermon on the Mount, this is God himself, the creator of the universe, the word of God speaking to you. And he does it in such perfect order. And there's a reason why the Beatitudes are at the front. And it's also very key foundational understanding for you as we go forward in this study of the Sermon on the Mount that it is very easy for us to look at things in the physical realm because we live in the physical realm. But Jesus is focused on the spirit here. And you have to understand that we, when we become born again, are transferred out of the world system and into the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the spirit realm right now. It will manifest itself here in the physical on earth. And yes, we are physical representations of God here, but he is talking about things of the spirit. And I've often said on this show, you know, everything is created in the spirit first, and then it happens here on earth. And what is a thought? A thought is spiritual. So when he gives the Beatitudes and they build upon each other, and those were the minor precepts behind it, the major precept was this is how to be in close relationship with God. He gave basically, you know, a a 10-step program here. And what is it to be? Well, to be is to be that. And and what is an attitude? Well, an attitude is the thing of the mind. So be this attitude is what Jesus is saying. And I really encourage you to spend more and more time uh, in this. You'll be blessed by doing so. And uh, we're not going to get through the entire chapter today, uh, and I'm not going to read the entire chapter because it's long and there is a lot of ground I do want to cover today. However, I will read from the beginning, and I'll read to where I think we're going to be able to get to today. But first, just let me pray. Heavenly Father, it is a humbling thing to be able to speak the word of God publicly. Lord, it exposes all of my flaws, both to me and some are recognizable for those who watch or listen. But Lord, you know every single thing. And I do repent, Lord, of being caught by surprise, by translation. And Lord, that's a that's a lesson learned for me. 
But Lord, I do depend on the Holy Ghost to speak through me. And Lord, it is one of your promises, so we do. I do rely on you. And I give the Holy Spirit full permission to speak through me. And Lord, that your words will carry the weight and measures in which they are intended for each individual individual here. Lord, may your Holy Spirit minister to each and every person and translate the word of God. So even where I come up short, Lord, your intention for each person is realized. And the conviction that comes with that in each person's life is brought to a place of gentle conviction, Lord, in a loving way that only you can do. So, Lord, I pray for this word of God. I pray for each and every person who hears the sound of my voice and everyone who is in our community in particular. Lord, I pray for health. I pray for strength. I pray for discernment. Lord, in these confusing times, and Lord, I pray most of all for abundance of faith in the belief in the things of Jesus Christ ministry and every word of God, every word that is in the canonized Bible. Lord, let not the enemy come and steal not even a portion. I pray in Jesus' name. Well, hallelujah, everybody. Let's uh, read. I'm probably going to do about half of the, uh, the chapter. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened up his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, so they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets, who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by people. 
You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Your light must shine before people in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Do not presume that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke of a letter shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever nullifies one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness far surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So there's a, there's a lot of stuff in here. And yeah, I'll probably, I'll, I'll, I might, we might get past this, but I'll, I'll stop there for now. And I just want to pick up at the very end of the Beatitudes. And yes, I pronounce them that way. I know other people say the Beatitudes, but Beatitudes is more fitting for the right on radio community, I would say. Verse 11 right after the Beatitudes. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. If you are truly walking in the spirit and you're in this world people will insult you they will try to talk you out of your faith and in some cases they're going to speak evil against you most of the time that will be behind your back Oh, you know, this so-and-so, you know, they're talking about you. You know, they're one of those Jesus freaks now. <laughs> Stay away. They're going to preach to you. Bible thumper. You know, more righteous than now. Intolerant. Now, there's a word that's going around today. And, of course, Christians, uh, much like the Muslims, I would say, and even the Jews, 
uh, we're all considered to be very intolerant because each of us claim to have the only way to heaven. So it's intolerant. Well, no, 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 I'm a Hindu and I love God. You know, we'll all get there. I'm a good person. No, it doesn't matter. Jesus says, I am the way and no one goes to the Father except through me. And that is the core of our message. And the world hates that. But when they do insult you and when some people decide to break off the relationship with you. That's their choice, not yours. Jesus's words, so I would say it's high authority. He says, rejoice and be glad. For your reward in heaven is great. And just think about that for a second. Do you know what your reward is? Do you know? And you got to think. We're, it's, it's in heaven, so it's not necessarily in this day, in this fleshly walk. But it's in eternity. And Jesus... God himself says to you, it will be great. I suspect this is one of the greatest understatements in the entire Bible. Just because there's no words to describe. But when Jesus says, it will be great. First of all, when he says that, did you catch that it's a promise of God? Just like all the Beatitudes were promises of God. When people insult you and they persecute you and they talk evil things and even give false accusations against you, your reward is great. You see how opposite that is of the world system? And he says it's going to happen. Of course, Jesus talks a lot about the persecution uh, of Christians. And, you know, to many of us, we haven't experienced real persecution as in, you know, beheadings, you know, uh, what Nimrod did, he would put Christians on a spike alive, coat them with oil, and burn them. You know, that was some real persecution. I'm not here to promise you that's not going to happen in our life. And just as in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you and the apostles and many people in different countries. And I wanted to start with the persecution because, again, this is the word of God, God himself speaking to you. 
And the very next thing he says after the persecutions is, you are the salt of the earth. And we've always heard, you know, you're salt and light, man. Well, what does that really mean? You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt becomes tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It's no good. It's no good. Now, there, and by the way, there's probably a scientific way to make it salty again. That isn't the point. This He's not talking about physical things. He's using physical things as a metaphor for things in the spirit. And let's say you are being persecuted. And you deny Jesus because it's easier for you at that time. And don't think that you or I are above it. Perhaps you or I have not been tested that way yet. You know, Peter, full of bravado, Lord, I'll never do that. <laughs> and Jesus says, before the end of the day, you'll deny me three times. And he did. This is Peter, the rock upon which he built his church. But if you are challenged by someone who most likely is not a believer and you compromise, well, you know, maybe your religion will get you there. Okay. You know, you can never really go back to that person and be effective. You know, when, when he uses the word salt, and, I, and I'm thinking back in biblical times, obviously there was, you know, no real forms of refrigeration. Not like we have today. And salt is used as a preservative for meats. And, you know, the deep truths in the Bible have also been referred to as the meat. You are called to preserve the meat of the Bible. The real important stuff. Now, some frivolous things in the Bible that you're not sure about, it's okay to be not be sure. But the meat of the message, Jesus was God. Jesus lived a sinless life. And he died on the cross the remission of our sins. He rose again. He has a new body and he has made the way for you by eliminating your sin. That is the meat of the gospel. We can never compromise on that. Even unto death, Honestly, eternity is much longer. So he gives 
the example of salt. And he says, if you do it, it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by people. You see, if, if you're, if you hold up righteousness, you will be persecuted. But if you don't hold up your righteousness and you know the truth, people are going to trample all over you. You're worthless. What is your purpose here on earth? You were called to be salt and light. The salt, the perseverance of the meat of the gospel. And then he goes on to say, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Of course, if there's lights in a city and it's up on a hill from far away, you can see that city because the light is shining. And he says, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Your light, verse 16, listen to this, your light must shine before people in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. If your light is truly shining, if you are truly walking in the Spirit, and I don't want you to be thrown off by the good works here, okay? He's talking about things in the spirit more than physical. If we are truly walking and letting our light shine, did you know that just your presence before someone will bring conviction? You don't have to say a word. You have the God Most High inside you. The God Most High dwells within you. Just being in your presence because of the Holy Spirit in you, not because of you, people will know there's something different about you. And if they don't, you need to go back and perhaps work through those Beatitudes again. The city on the hill, if someone is miles away, miles away, they can't see all the good things that the good people are doing, but they see the light shining. And so it is here. And, you know, there's something to be said about being good works. Jesus came to serve. We come to serve. Okay. But the good works 
is actually inside of you. It's how we resist temptation in our lives. It's how we escape the trappings of the world. This is the walking with the Spirit. This is the leading of God. And this should be manifest in your life. It is in mine. Most days. Most days. Not all days. You see, I can have really bad attitudes too. Probably you can as well. We're definitely capable. <laughs> we are capable. But you know what? If you wake up and you start your day with prayer and you converse with God throughout the day, that light will shine. God is a gentleman. He only presses as hard into you as you desire. And he gives you the right to walk in your own misery, to wallow in your mire if you choose. And here's the news flash. We do choose that. We do from time to time. We want to go, woe is me, or want to entertain something that we should not be entertaining. We all do it. And here's the additional breaking news. <laughs> you probably will to the end of your life. But we pray every day that the Lord refines us in that refining fire. And as we give more things of ourselves to God and put it on the altar, he is able, well, he's able anyways, but he will fill you more and your light will shine brighter out in the world. Because, of course, if you have your light shining at one point in time, you're on fire for God. But then circumstances change, and maybe you want to hide it a little bit. Who would do that? Who covers a lamp with a blanket so the light doesn't shine? It, it removes the purpose of the light. Your purpose, Jesus is telling you, here is to be the salt and light. And that good works, that's mostly inside of you, because it has to start inside of you. It doesn't start from the outside, the external. You're, you're just do, doing it like the Pharisees do. They wanted people to see them. And he warns against the Pharisees as we go further. 
But when we allow God to do the work on the inside, and it takes effort on our side too. It really does take effort every day. Then that, Jesus came to glorify the Father in heaven. And of course, he did all the things for us that I already stated. But he did it for the glory of the Father. And Jesus is telling you, be like me and glorify your Father in heaven. All right, let's uh, talk about the law here, and I'll, I think I'll probably end it after verse 20. If you do not understand this part, and this is one of the greatest stumbling blocks in all of the New Testament, is the fact of the law. And I've struggled with it. Until fairly recently, actually. I understood it in principle. But I think I have a much better understanding today. And I want to share it with you. So verse 17. Do not presume that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. So, just I want to stop right there. The law, remember, was the law of Moses. And the law is written and recorded essentially in the first five books of the Bible. It's all the festivals. It's our, the, the law in how we interact with each other and also the law and how to be righteous before God. There's hundreds of laws. And it really, uh, in my previous studies, a lot of it is how to handle your money, how to run your business, how to run your life. Like, it's really good stuff. But you'll have to remember that, as I mentioned earlier, Matthew is not written in chronological order. See, Jesus has already been accused by the point of the Sermon on the Mount of saying, ah, the law's done. I'm here. <laughs> and the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the Sadducees, all these guys, this was their number one form of attack on him. And they calling for his death, essentially. So Jesus, um, having godly intellect, always, and I, and I love some of the rebukes he gives to the Pharisees, he really calls them out uh, in some passages we're going to get to in uh, the book of Matthew. But here, he just lays it out straight. He says, do not presume. So don't think that what I'm saying is this. Do not presume, because, you know, people hear what they want to hear. They don't always hear the exact words you speak. Everyone takes it in through their own filter, everybody. But words are important. And Jesus says, 
do not presume, pre-assume, that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. And of course, the prophets were, you know, a good majority of the rest of the Old Testament were prophetic uh, words. They've got the minor prophets, the major prophets. Um, there's some other things, the Psalms, of course, and, you know, other things that are there for us for our instruction, the Proverbs. But most of the books are prophetic, and God is saying he didn't come to abolish that, and God can't abolish that because that he cannot go against his nature. It's the same God yesterday as today. He does not change. But he says he came to fulfill the law. So what does it mean to fulfill the law? He says it's not to be abolished, not one word of it. All of that stands. But you see, where people have difficulty with this concept is they're just thinking about it in the wrong way. They're thinking about it in the physical. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. And in the physical, we're not supposed to do that stuff. We are not supposed to do any of that. And Jesus hasn't given you permission to do any of these things. But you see, the law was a book of rules that man could never do. And he's going to prove it to you here in later on. He's going to prove that you are incapable. No one except him was able to keep the law perfectly. Nobody. And the law was a book of rules for people to follow in the physical, like, you know, we don't murder, don't put other gods, don't build a statue to another god. All that still exists, but you have to think about this in terms of the spirit, which is the greater reality. It's the greater reality. Your spirit lives forever. This uh, earthly vessel, as good as yours might be, is going to decay and pass away. But Jesus is an eternal God. He came to fulfill the law. How did he do it? He went to the cross. He lived blameless to become that perfect sacrifice. If Jesus had one bad thought, if he uh, undressed one woman with his eyes, he couldn't have done this. If he stubbed his toe and said a curse word, he couldn't have done this. And, you know, he, he was a carpenter. 
he worked construction. Want to talk about a challenging environment to uh, not sin? He didn't. And because he was blameless, he fulfilled the requirements of the law. Now, the law still exists because God wrote it down for us. But the law is not a way to enter heaven. And it never was. Because no one could do it. Even with their sacrifices and the atonements, no one could do it. Even back in Old Testament days, it was about the circumcision of the heart. It just wasn't obvious yet. You see, Jesus didn't want to let the devil know his plans. If the devil had known, he would have never put Jesus on the cross. Right? He would have never done it. That sealed his fate forever. But Jesus fulfilled the law, and now the law, yeah, even back then, it was just a measuring rod to expose what sin is. How would you know what sin is unless God told you what it is? And if you use it as a measuring stick against your life, you come up short, and there's nothing you can do to earn it. And that's why Jesus came to fulfill the law. I hope that's clear. I'll be going more and more on it as we go on in the chapter. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke of a letter shall pass from the law until it is all accomplished. I, I just have an interesting thought on that. You know, if you study the Hebrew language, and I'm not going to tell you that I've studied it extensively. I haven't. But I've looked up things in the Hebrew, and you know, I've watched videos on the comparisons of the ancient Hebrew and the modern Hebrew. And the language is 20 has a 22 letter alphabet and there's numbers assigned to each letter in the alphabet. And I find it curious here that not even the smallest stroke of a letter shall pass from the law. But if you look at the ancient Hebrew, alphabet and the modern one they have removed strokes they're similar but they've removed strokes and they've done that on purpose just like they've changed some of the words in our bible it's okay we have the holy spirit the holy spirit will tell you the truth Therefore, and, and we know who did that, by the way, because obviously that was the Pharisees, you know, and 
those types of people who changed the language, modernized it. It says in verse 19, this is a warning. Therefore, whoever nullifies one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So as a teacher, um, apparently you're allowed to make mistakes here. And, you know, like we're not supposed to divorce except under very specific circumstances. Um, we're not supposed to murder. We're not supposed to put idols in our lives. But, you know, there's some watered-down Gospels now that are people-pleasing, and it's rampant in the church. You know, the church won't talk about abortion. A lot of churches, some will. I pray you go to a good church if you go to a bricks-and-mortar church. But they don't talk about it because they don't want to hurt someone who may have had an abortion. And I'll guarantee in almost every congregation there's one or more that have had abortions. And they may have repented, it might be fine. But the same thing with divorce. They don't harp on divorce being a sin, being an abomination to God, homosexuality being abomination to God. Because the church wants to be tolerant. And you know what? To some of these preachers, it says here, they're still going to get into the kingdom of heaven. But they're going to be the least. Jesus did not come here to be a diplomat. Jesus is the most divisive character, I shouldn't say character, but person in history of earth. There is no one more divisive than Jesus. And yet his word frees us. But whoever keeps them is the salt that preserves the real meat of the gospel. He shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And I want to just, I shouldn't have to say this, but he is in the generic sense. Obviously, they're talking about teachers here to some capacity, but you are called to be salt and light. So yes, this includes women. You shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean to be called great in the kingdom of heaven? I don't know. But it's good. It's beyond good. And is it selfish 
to want to live by the word of God so that I may be called great in the kingdom of heaven? No. Jesus is saying to you, do it. Crucify your flesh. Every day. And of course, you're gonna we're gonna get into the uh next part, which is the next week. I'm gonna leave it till next week, you know, about cutting off your arm and poking out your eye. <laughs> it's a fun one. It is fun, actually. When you understand, hint, he's talking more metaphorically and spiritually, but he is giving a real example. He he can mean it literally as well. But right after he talks about, uh, you know, whoever nullifies one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever keeps them and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And just before I go on, uh, if you have a prayer request, please put it in all caps and you can put in your prayers, your prayer request. Keep it as short as possible. You don't need to know all the details just what you want prayer for. And if you have a testimony, please put your testimony in there as well. You know, testimonies are pretty darn important to God. Make sure it's a true testimony. But right after saying, you know, who will be called the least in heaven and who will be called the greatest in heaven, but then he goes on in verse 20, for I say that, for I say to you that unless your righteousness, your righteousness, your inside, not what your actions and your works are necessarily. If you're not right inside and you're doing actions on the exterior, it's worthless. You've already got your reward, just like he said to the Pharisees uh, later on in the book of Matthew. But he says... For I say that unto you, unless your righteousness far surpasses, far surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, Jesus is given the Sermon on, sermon on the Mount. There's thousands of people there, potentially. Thousands of people. And they all look up to the Pharisees. The Pharisees dedicate their lives. They read the scriptures all day. They've memorized them. They walk around in clean robes and they tell people and they look blameless in front of everyone. And Jesus says, unless you far surpass that, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. Can you imagine being there, one of the dudes at the bottom of the hill? Oh, no. I'm gone. I wonder how many people walked out, <laughs> walked away just from hearing that. Oh, my goodness. How could I do that? I don't even read well. How could I be better than a Pharisee? It's about the heart, folks. It's always been about your will in your intention. In everything. 
your will and your intention. That's the measure of your heart. The circumcision of your heart, not the external circumcision that the Pharisees taught. Did some Pharisees come to Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. He came for them too. But they had a, it was very hard for a Pharisee to surrender their life's work. Paul did. Probably the greatest example. Folks, go back and... Uh, Revisit the the Beatitudes. It really is your <laughs> rinse and repeat program. Just keep working on those things and everything else will fall into place. Jesus has a lot of promises in there. And this is just further about understanding the law and I, and I have a lot more to say on the law, but I'm going to save it till next uh, next week so we can go into it in depth. But I think I gave you the master principle and the precepts for that. Oh, you know what? I, I just noticed I'm looking over at the chat now, and uh, I always say thank you to... Uh, to Misty River for being here, and I don't often I don't say it enough, but Katie Q, you have stepped up so much at, in in this capacity in this ministry, not only in the prayer uh, that you and Val are involved in the team, but I want to thank you for coming in and and being a a moderator as well, and an admin and all of the different things that you do. You work really hard for all of us and there's so many more uh, sweet southern girly and uh someone who's not on uh, on the chats um never really catches the show live but uh honorable mention i just i'm so thankful for eve eve you are my sister and when when i get to hug you girl i'm gonna i'm gonna you're going to think your ribs are breaking. I'm going to squeeze you so hard. Um, you have been such an encouragement and a help to me over these years. And uh, Sweet Southern Girly has been a great, great resource as well. A good friend. And so many, so many of you um, just inspire so much. Okay, I'm looking for prayer. It's about a 15-second delay, so I'm just going to go through this. Oh, well, there's a comment that I just caught. Uh, this is answering what I've been trying to figure out for the past month about the laws. Well, good. We'll definitely tune in next week because you're going to get some really good stuff next week. I, I was prepared to do it today, but I don't want the, the show to go on for another hour. Um, da, da, da. okay, just scrolling through. I don't see any prayer requests. Wow. 
I'm glad you're all good. <laughs> I'm glad you're all good. You know, it's funny. I, uh, I often don't put forth my prayer requests publicly either. And part of it is because, well, I've already prayed it, so I, I believe the prayer, <laughs> you know. Um, oh, there's a, says someone has a big, about carrying out things that haven't been easy for me. Pray for me. Okay, I do see that. Thank you for pointing that out, Wendy. Uh, I didn't see it because it wasn't all in caps. You have to remember, I'm wearing readers here, and uh, it's still the chat is very small for me. Um, and yeah, it's on a smaller screen. The bigger screen has the scriptures and stuff like that. I have to use multiple screens to do this broadcast. Well, I will pray for that. And, and by the way, there was a testimony that uh, came out last night on the call last week. Um, Val had asked for uh, prayer for her shoulder. It's gotten much better throughout the week. Uh, it was really debilitating. Uh, she wasn't able to move her arm. And it's taken a few days, but it's much, much better. And I also prayed for my shoulder at the time, and mine wasn't as bad as Val's. But the, the truth is, um, after I finished the broadcast, I'd forgotten that my shoulder was sore. So I guess it happened instantly for me. Praise God. All right. And I'm just going to scroll down just to make sure there's no more. Oh yeah. Uh, so thank you, Misty. I did say that. And I'm going to pray for BSG's prayer. And here's the request. Lately, God has been speaking to me and asking me to carry out things that haven't been easy for me. Pray for me that I can continue to obey no matter what the outcome. I'm going to pray for that. But can I give you just a word of wisdom? The... Uh, my spiritual father, Walt, taught me a lesson as a very young Christian. And it, by the way, it's confirmed. Everything is going to be confirmed, what I say in this chapter. You know, Jesus, when he says, be, be this, it's an action word, right? Be, not uh, maybe, it's no, be. So there's an action word. And Jesus didn't delay things. He, uh, he dealt with things head-on. And here's the analogy that was given to me as a young Christian and always stuck with me, and I pray this will stick for you, and then I will pray for you. It's an honorable prayer request, by the way, very honorable. If you think about, you know, the world, and let's suppose it's round. <laughs> Don't want to upset some people, um, but the there's cycles. You have the sunlight, and let's say that's the light of God, the good time in God. When you're standing in the light, it's all good, but 
in the darkness and just using this as a metaphor the darkness is the trials the 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 things that come in the night and you know the sun uh rises in the east and sets in the west right and what he said to me he says let's say the nighttime is the problems you're avoiding that you eventually have to deal with but you're putting them off and that's the nighttime so you're trying to avoid the night and because the sun rises in the east and it sets in the west if you got in your vehicle and you put your pedal to the metal <laughs> and you started heading west because you want to stay in that sunlight as long as you can you go across time zone Maybe you get across two time zones in a day. And you have an extended period of, period of light. But eventually, the darkness will overcome because you can't outrun it. And because you chose not to go into and face those things, now because you were heading west, figuratively now the darkness is going to be an extended period of time for you as well so the best way to face your problems is to turn head straight into that darkness and when you go into it it becomes shorter And I think that is a brilliant analogy. You know, sometimes as a Christian, we deal with things that are not pleasant. And it hurts. And particularly with relationships and things of that sort. You know, even before I became a Christian, I lived by, I, you know, Jesus came to set us free. I, I impose a lot of rules on myself, and maybe someday I'll, I'll talk about that. I, I actually love rules. I develop personal rules for myself because it helps me in my decision-making, understanding where I stand on this thing or that thing or another thing. And one of the major rules that I lived by is diplomacy causes confusion. If you don't speak what is truth, and this was even before I was a Christian, then you're just prolonging it. And eventually it's going to come out, and then you have to say, and, and by the way, I wasn't even honest with you. I didn't care enough for you to tell you the truth. Now, can you do it in a gentle, loving, humble way? Can you do it by asking the person questions? Instead of telling them, of course you can. And those are some skills that we can develop if you work on them. But having said all of that, just don't do them all at once, whatever you're facing. Take one and get it out of the way. Then go to the next one. Whatever order the Lord prioritizes by walking in the Spirit, what, he'll give you the order. But don't try to do two, three, four, five things at a time. 
even though you might be capable of that. I'm not. Take one thing and get it off your plate. The rest of it will come much easier. So, Heavenly Father, I pray for BSG here. Lord Jesus, that you minister from the inside out. Lord, and you use your Holy Spirit to give that push from the inside, Lord. That push, that drive. And that and and the advanced knowing of the satisfaction of being relieved of these burdens, Lord, because they're burdens, obviously. And Lord, burdens weigh people down and they hold people back from walking in your purposes, which you laid out clearly here in Matthew 24. But Father, we need to take action as your sons and daughters. You put us in these physical bodies to live here in the physical world and be your representation. So I pray for this person right now, Lord, that even as even as we pray together, the Holy Spirit brings that one thing to mind, that first one to take off of the plate. And Father God, I pray the second thing that happens is the turning to you and saying, Lord, I am willing now to do it. Would you walk with me in it, Lord Jesus? And then the third thing is to be obedient walk and get it done all for the glory of our lord jesus christ and our father in heaven it's all for his glory it's all for his glory let your light shine In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, thank you for being here, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the study. I love this. Um, I've never felt so much pressure, not even doing, you know, confusing books like the book of Revelation and stuff like that. But to read the word of God is an and and Jesus' words in particular is just an awesome responsibility and a privilege as well may god bless each and every one of you hey um if you can uh, i appreciate your support uh, <laughs> i don't want to sound like a broken record but I, I actually next week i should really just pull it up and show you how many supporters fall off every month uh, and I don't think it's intentional because if it's intentional, it says the person canceled and, and that's fine. You know, I might've said something or called out their favorite prophet or something like that and they cancel and I get it. Um, but if you are able to support, um, I have a PayPal link for like a one-time thing and some people actually uh, do it monthly, um, on PayPal. They prefer that. 
but if you want, you can just like a set and forget. You can go to um, the Podbean patron one, and that certainly helps as well. Um, God is my provision, but sometimes God, well, in fact, a lot of the time, God uses his people. And uh, if you just prayerfully consider it, I would greatly appreciate it. I'm actually in a in a definite def, deficit uh, right now, and uh, I'm not begging for any. I'm not trying to entice or manipulate in any way. Um, it's actually a good spot because I haven't been there in uh, well o- over a decade. <laughs> so. Uh, it's in many ways a blessing of the Lord to be there. And uh, oh, last thing, don't forget um, ror.petclub247.com. Look, the uh, coffee and cookies special is there. Of course, all the products are good. Had some great testimonies recently about what the mushrooms are doing. Oh, by the way, and Gina in the Philippines has received it and she started taking the mushrooms. And uh, it's been a real blessing, I think, already. So we'll monitor that and I'll continue to update you. Uh, But just a little thought, you know, it was a week ago, Friday, I got, or week ago, Thursday, I got hit with the flu or whatever it was, a fever. And, uh, you know, normally a fever doesn't go away real quick. You're going to, especially as we get older, they tend to hang on for more and more days. I really firmly believe that obviously I prayed, Lord, get me out of this mess. But I really think my immune system is getting much, much better because uh, after a few hours of suffering, it uh, it went away. And then I was just tired from it. So um, com. Thanks, everyone, for being here, everybody. Uh, oh, thank you, Free in Truth Land. Oh, I recognize that face. <laughs> God bless you, brother. God bless you. Hey, thanks for being here, everyone. I hope you have the greatest of weeks. I'm going to put up a show on Tuesday. It's just going to be I'm playing someone's video. I'll have a couple comments. But it's actually a really good follow-up to uh, Thursday's show, and it'll bring it more into reality for you. Um, It's not esoteric. It's not exoteric. It's basically just to look at the similarities in the economies of Rome and the United States. And I think you'll find it fascinating. It's a short video, but uh, it's a really good follow-up. So that's what I plan to put up on Tuesday. I hope you'll be there for it. God bless each and every one of you. And remember, first of all, be loved. Be the Berean. Believe. And be attitudes to glorify God. Amen.